For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Can you believe this? Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. Welcome in, and what the Pell is up. This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. For those of you who are new, before we get started, make sure you subscribe and or follow, depending on where you are listening to this podcast. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a rate and a review. I said it a few episodes ago, but like I said, I'm going to have to repeat it. I had a friend of mine who is a pretty high-profile podcaster who said that we need to get to 100 rates and reviews as soon as possible on Apple Podcasts. So if you want to head over and do that, that'll really, really help us out. Also not recording for YouTube right now, but make sure you head over there. Just type in Elliot Clough on YouTube. That user will pull up. You can subscribe. And and while you're there, make sure to like all of our more recent videos, and that'll get us some exposure over there. Too. And if you want to catch any short clips of our more recent, big, longer form podcasts that we've recorded on YouTube too, you can check those out over there as well. In the meantime, also tell a friend about the podcast. You want to talk some more Pels with your with your homies, sharing this podcast with them is a way to do so. So let's get started for today's show. If you haven't heard, there's a couple potential assistance that the Pelicans are looking at and we're going to talk about those two today as well as a couple of my other few top choices for that associate head coach position maybe also assistant we'll see obviously want to retain Fred Vinson and see where that goes SVG also has a relationship with Jeff Bedzelik but we'll see about that Anyway, this is coming off SVG's introductory press conference yesterday where he was asked about potential associates, associate head coaches, or assistant coaches going forward. And he didn't name any names, didn't say what he was looking for, but he did say that the Pels were looking. And the two names that have been rumored as of late that I just alluded to were Ime Udoka, former assistant with the San Antonio Spurs and the Philadelphia 76ers, and Charles Lee who is a former assistant with the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks under Mike Budenholzer. Now, before we get into those, got to address the the new news today. Sam Cassell did take the associate head coaching position in Philadelphia, so he will not be on this list. 
for those of you who follow the the bird rights and Kevin Berrios on Twitter, you know that Sam Cassell was his top choice for the associate head position. And Cassell would have been a great option. He's a guy who should ultimately be a head coach in the NBA at some point in time. Obviously, probably didn't want that Houston Rockets position given Steven Silas, well, just got it. And Sam Cassell, I would have taken him over Silas, but that could just be me, former assistant coach in Sam Cassell with the Wizards and the Clippers in a 19-year NBA vet, three-time NBA champion and one-time All-Star and All-NBA second team in 2004. He was with the Timberwolves at that point in time. But anyway, he's off the list and will not be available. So let's start off Ime Udoka. He has quite... The resume coming into this offseason where he could be brought in as an associate head coach in a lot of places. The only one opening that's still available is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I haven't heard anything about Udoka being connected to that position, so I'm going to assume that he is going to be an associate head coach or an assistant in some capacity this upcoming year. So Yudoka played in the NBA from 03, 2003, 2004, four games for the Lakers. That was his NBA debut. Came back in 05, 06, played eight games for the Knicks. That included a summer league position where he was coached by Isaiah Thomas over that point in time. And Thomas actually mentioned coaching to him during that summer league stint. Yudoka, who's from Portland, then came back in 06, 07 to the league, played 75 games for the Portland Trailblazers, and then really got the meat and potatoes of his career in with the San Antonio Spurs, playing there 07-08 season, 08-09 season, and then came back in 2010-2011 for 20 games that year. Also played for the Kings in 2010 and 2011. Now, in his stint with the Spurs, 07, 08, 09, 2010, 2011, Pop had mentioned to him about coaching during his days in San Antonio. A lot of uh, joking, I guess, with the staff being with how much time that Udoka spent at the facilities relative to the other players and the staff. Udoka, a guy who is an absolute basketball savant, a basketball nut to say the least. And and being on the staff with Coach Popovich, that's that's the place to be for basketball savants and, and basketball nuts. But he was on staff with the Spurs with those teams, 2013 runners-up, 2014 champions. Those were his first two years as a coach in the NBA. Has been with the Spurs up until this most recent season where he did travel to Philadelphia to coach under Brett Brown. Now, Yudoka is among a long list of former assistants that have been on staff with Popovich that have received interest for head coaching positions. Like I just said, he has been in the running for a few head coaching positions. Namely, last season he interviewed for the Cavaliers job. This season he averaged, or interviewed for the New York Knicks and the Chicago Bulls jobs as Well, that long list of other assistants, you know, you look at Mike Budenholzer, Brett Brown, and then now Tim Duncan has been in the conversation. Becky Hammond has been in the conversation as well, has interviewed for some jobs. So lots of great coaching coming from that Greg Popovich coaching tree. And now more into the, the Spurs and his time there with San Antonio, obviously coached the team, was part of that coaching staff that were runners up in 2013 and then champions in 2014, both of those finals being against the Miami Heat. So 
got not only experience under Greg Popovich, he got to coach Kawhi Leonard in his younger days when he was really ascending to the top of the league, was finals MVP in 2014, known as a really good defender at that point in time, earned the nickname The Claw, which we don't hear about on Kawhi Leonard very often. What I've heard as well is that Yudoka was integral in the development of Kawhi Leonard, which is huge. Leonard wasn't a really big name coming out of San Diego State, was drafted by Indiana and traded then to San Antonio and Yudoka, and the Spurs staff was really big in his development and making him a star in this league, despite the, you know, the discrepancy and and the issues, the, the ugly departure from San Antonio that Kawhi Leonard had. Supposedly, Yudoka was that was that was a good relationship between those two. Now, into more about the Spurs and, and what it's like to be a coach there, along with Greg Popovich. We brought it up yesterday, and the saying in terms of what it's supposed to be like and what a what the aura or vibe a, a team should give is. And we've talked a lot about heat culture. We talked about it yesterday on the pod with Stan Van Gundy. He brought it up in his introductory press conference with the media and David Griffin, Trajan Langdon, Mrs. Benson yesterday in in that conference, press conference. And something that we don't talk about near as much anymore is Spurs culture. Now, this team had up until this season made it to either 19 or 20 playoff appearances in a row whether or not they made it past the first round whether or not they made it past the second round with some of these teams is kind of irrelevant because that is insane I mean last year Pop was trying to tell I think it was DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge to go up and play press defense on I think it was Damian Lillard or or somebody at that point in time and the communication just wasn't there and I mean with this with this squad, they were showing clear development with a lot of the young guards, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, there's Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker showing a lot of development. Patty Mills never would have been who he is now if it wasn't for Greg Popovich. But you can only do so much with those names, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. And then you got Rudy Gay on that roster who is getting up there in years. And, you know, Jake Pol- Jacob Polotel or Polotel can only do so much for you. So San Antonio, not the powerhouse they once were. But... They still are the Spurs and did make it to the, it looks like 22 straight years of, of making it to the playoffs. I don't know. I, I Googled it and I haven't haven't seen some a, a definitive stat. But anyway, these guys are the Patriots of the NBA. That's what they are. They're constant, constantly relevant. They're constantly competing for not just a playoff spot, but I mean, for a good 10, 15 years there, they were in the running to win an NBA title every year. Those Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Amanda Ginobili teams, and then you throw in Patty Mills, and you throw in Kawhi Leonard toward the end of that era. And I mean, at the beginning, it was it was David Robinson and Timmy, Timmy D. So it was really for a solid 15 years that those teams were competing for NBA championships. And this guy, Emi Udoka, was in the thick of it, not only as an assistant, but as a player as well. So this guy has seen it all. He has seen the, the side of Pop as a coach, seen the side of Pop as a player. And so 
He's really been on the ins and outs of this type of culture, this championship sustainable winning culture that San San Antonio has built with Greg Popovich. And with Stan Van Gundy coming in to establish culture, Yudoka has seen what an excellent, not just a good, but an excellent, outstanding culture looks like. And he can add to that foundation. Will he be the cornerstone? Eh, I mean, we heard it yesterday. SVG really said that the players will be the cornerstones for that type of culture going forward. But SVG, Yudoka definitely will contribute to building that culture. Yudoka was, again, like I said, an assistant with Philadelphia under Brett Brown and chose that job offer in Philadelphia to join the bench there as opposed to New Orleans last season and Sacramento, basically because of his connection to Brett Brown. I'm not sure if that was actually reported or anything like that, but that's a safe assumption, being that they had coached together before and uh, knew each other fairly well. And we'll talk about his departure from San Antonio here in a second. But first, let's talk a little bit about one of his appearances fairly recently, not recently, a year ago, (laughs) on the 76ers podcast network. This was November 2019, and he was brought on as an assistant. This was at the beginning of the season and made an appearance on this podcast, talked for about 20 minutes. And we'll be breaking down a lot of what he said here on that podcast. But if you want to hear the whole thing, he talks a little bit about his time in Philadelphia and just stuff that isn't necessarily relevant to what we're going to be talking about today. So, But if you want to hear the whole thing, you can check it out. Just search Email Udoka on the podcast app for Apple Podcasts, or you can check out the 76ers Podcast Network podcast. I'm assuming it's on Spotify and all that. So you'll just search it and scroll back to November 2019 if you want to hear the entirety of the interview. But... To go through that, he talked about Shocker, um, something that he and SVG appear to really have in, in common, and it's accountability, which that word, we've been saying it so much, it's kind of losing its luster, but when it's put into practice, that luster will be regained in New Orleans. So some quotes from the interview was they were talking about a game that had just recently happened. Obviously, it was the beginning of the season, being that it was in, in November, And here's a couple quotes from him in that interview. He said, we didn't bring any physicality or aggressiveness in the first half. We were behind the eight ball with what we wanted to do. Is that a quote you're going to hear from Alvin Gentry? I don't think so. I don't think so. But that's something you're going to hear from SVG. In that conversation that we recently had with Jonathan Alisea of the Magic Close Up and the Magical Boogaloo podcast, He mentioned that you're always going to get fully authentic SVG. He's going to be honest with the media for as much as he can be. You know, he's not going to give out the the game plan or anything like that, but he's going to be genuine. He's going to be honest. He's going to say, look, Lonzo had 12 turnovers. He sucked tonight. He's not necessarily going to say that, but he has said stuff similar. (laughs) And Yudoka doesn't say it quite as bluntly or as straightforwardly. But he addresses it. We didn't bring any physicality or aggressiveness in the first half. We were behind the eight ball with what we wanted to do. It's not rude. It's not mean. It's just honest. Yudoka is a stand-up guy. He's a genuine guy. He's played all over the world, met tons of people. And there's very 
little, if any, negativity that I've seen about this dude, not only as a coach, but as a person too. And that's great. He's, he's a role model for these young guys to be brought on staff. I mean, for him to, for him to come in and, and not only coach them, but, but, but teach them and, and lead them as men, uh, is another facet that you love to see that he could bring and be complimentary to SVG. Not that he wouldn't do that, but it's, it's just a different level of, of that authenticity. It's not, it's not quite authentic to the point of saying we sucked or anything like that. Not that SVG is going to do that, but we know how blunt and straightforward SVG is. While Yudoka is holding players to a standard and is holding accountability to the highest of values, he's not being as straightforward and blunt as that. Also, he doesn't just say the negative stuff. You could hear it in Yudoka's voice. He was positive. The 76ers ended up getting that win that night. I can't remember who they were playing, but he added praise to his team, made reference to Ben Simmons' effort, how he led them defensively, and liked what what Simmons brought to the table that night for the 76ers. He went on to talk about his coaching philosophy and whether the the teams that he leads, he likes them to follow a game plan or really just likes to put an effort out there, which one he really emphasizes more. And he said that in terms of the game plan, we try to get really specific on knowing our personnel and knowing our opponent. And he also referenced following what we want to take them out of. So Basically, the sets that they're going to get points, 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 points. So in a situation where there's a lot of ball movement and you're getting three-point shots up a lot, obviously they're going to adjust and try to cover that. Now, that's the big difference that you're going to see between a Darvin Ham type of assistant or type of defense or, or Mike Budenholzer type of defense and Udoka and SVG. That's going to be more of flexibility. That's going to be more of tailoring your defense to who you're playing against and using different rotations to try to counteract what the offense is trying to do. Whereas with Darvin Ham and and Mike Budenholzer, what you're doing is you look at the personnel that you have and you adjust based on that and you stick to it. So look at what happened the last two years. They lost to the Raptors and then they lost to the Heat in the finals. And there are some other factors that went into this year, but Budenholzer just got ripped for that. And we talked about that issue with Darvin Ham. I like Ham. You know, Louis Prejean absolutely loves Darvin Ham. But you got to be able to adjust in the playoffs. And if you can't do that, you're not going to win an NBA championship. You're just not. You're just not. With Udoka, it's clear he is willing to adjust, clear he's willing to recognize what the other team is doing and make those adjustments based off that. Yudoka also talked about the significance of relationships with players in this interview with the 76ers podcast network. And we're going to reference three, four, five quotes from him here. But to start, Yudoka really talked about it and he said, this is the biggest piece of coaching. You see what the players will do when you really care for them. And he said, it's natural for me. I always connected well with players when I played and when I've coached. In his head coaching interviews that he's taken, the the one with the Cavs last year, and then I'm assuming he did the same thing with the Knicks and with the Bulls this year in 2020, he said in his few head coaching interviews, he always stresses that. He learned that from Pop, and he always emphasizes that 
in his interviews and and pop always emphasized that when he was there and if Udoka can come in and he stays for a good amount of time and not necessarily saying that he will because he has been desired as a head coach elsewhere been taken in for those interviews he can build a relationship with Zion Williamson Brandon Ingram and I mean, we've talked about it before on this podcast. Does SVG really need to be best buddies with a lot of these guys? No, he can be the hammer. And that's what the assistant guys are for because they don't lead from that perspective. Yes, they lead. They lead by example. They lead by holding these guys to these standards and their coaches. I mean, they just lead in general, but it's not the same. These assistant coaches are there to really build those relationships and dive into those relationships with these players. And it's clear Udoka puts an emphasis on that and he cares about it. And he can be known based on this as a player's coach. And if you have a player's coach as your associate head coach, there you go. There you go. That's what you like to see. SVG can be a dick. (laughs) As long as we're winning games and the players feel like they're heard by the associate or the other assistants too, fine by me. Fine by me. Now, in terms of style of play, Yudoka, I mean, we talked about it a little bit at at the top of of this little segment, talking about the podcast when he said defense is basically based on who you're playing against and the personnel that you have. Now, Yudoka is a defensive-minded head coach. He was essentially the defensive coordinator there for the Philadelphia 76ers this last year season. He led the team to a 10th place finish in net rating, 8th in defensive rating, and the Sixers ranked 7th in points allowed per game in the league in 2019-2020 up to that point in March where the league was shut down. So obviously a defensive-minded head coach, which or head coach, coach, he he also has some offensive appeal there too. He's played in the league. He's got to know both. And there's an appeal there. I mean, he, like I said, he is a defensive-minded head coach. We talked about that with SVG, talked about that with Jamal Mosley. And there's an appeal there for, for the defensive-minded head coach. And, you know, a combination of his principles with Stan Van Gundy's principles may not hurt on the defensive side of the ball. But I'll reference this a little bit later, too. I would like an offensive guy at the associate head coaching position to mix it up a little bit. You want complimentary coaches there. I mean, you look at this last few years with the Pelicans, and it was Alvin Gentry and Chris Finch at the top. And, I mean, you got two like-minded guys. They're just not going to – I mean, if your two leaders don't clash every now and then, in terms of where the emphasis should be, eh. I don't like that. If they're like-minded, if they're the same, I'd rather have a mesh. I'd rather have a mishmash of of ideas, thoughts, and desires for your team to have. So I like Will Weaver at the associate head coaching position, and I've liked him for a long time. You know that. But Udoka would be a really good grab here, too. So take your pick. Take your pick here. If you want even more emphasis on defense, I get it. I mean, the Pels were horrid defensively. And if you want to just bring Udoka to really focus in on Brandon Ingram and Zion on their defense, shoot. Might as well. I mean, it doesn't hurt. And if you can really bring in a guy who will do that focus with specific players, let's let's do it. I'm in. I'm in. Now, another name that I mentioned at the top, Charles Lee 
is a guy who's he's an assistant with the Milwaukee Bucks, and this is a name that's been mentioned specifically with the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, Lee is an assistant coach, like I said, with the Milwaukee Bucks, was an assistant with the Hawks when Coach Budenholzer was there as well. He's also an assistant at Bucknell from 2012 to 2014. Lee played at Bucknell in college as well, played internationally, professionally, played in Israel. And I saw an interview that he had on YouTube and said it's a different style of basketball, less athleticism, more strategy. So that's a lot more of the stuff going on between your ears rather than relying on athleticism, which is stuff we've heard before about other leagues. I mean, the NBL, no other league is even somewhat comparable to the NBA in terms of athleticism. So there you go. That's kind of a given. Also, Lee was the Hawks summer league coach over there in Atlanta. I'm not positive if he did that with the Bucks. I just know for a fact that he did that with the Hawks. I saw it on YouTube. So he may have very well done that. In other words, he has experience with leadership. I saw him on a few podcasts and much like Udoka, super articulate. He's young. He's only 35. And he's a guy that just seems really likable. Yudoka is a little more serious. Lee is just a little more personable and and likes to have fun and really raved about some of his players on, on a podcast that I saw with him in it too. So I like Lee a lot. I think he's another complimentary personality to Stan Van Gundy. I, I couldn't find much on his philosophy. I, I know he, I'll, I'll read this quote here and, and I'll elaborate a little bit more. It's a quote from Kevin R. Arnovitz. Arnovitz. <laughs> which is from ESPN, he had this to say, that people who are fans of Lee touted him as a five-tool coach who is every bit as comfortable having meaningful conversations with a backup point guard as he is dining with a team owner. Those who have worked with him say he has an intuitive sense of how to inspire improvement from players, but also understands high-level strategy and the preparation required to implement it. He is, in the words of one peer, someone who is, quote, categorically going to be an NBA head coach. That's impressive. That's really impressive, especially for his age at 35. Man, I mean, he seems like he's been coaching and leading for years. He seems like he's been giving keynote speeches for years. Now, I again, I, I couldn't find much on what his strategy, his, his philosophies are as a coach. I'll look more into it between podcasts, and we may very well talk about it with our next guest on the podcast, see if he knows much else. And who knows, maybe we'll bring Jordan Tresky back of Behind the Bucks and the, I think it's Win in Six podcast that we had on, talked about Drew Holiday trade scenario with the Bucks with him probably a month or two ago. But anyway... I like him. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of him, but I've seen him in podcasts. I've seen him seen him in interviews where the interviewer was kind of rude, but he was still super nice. I just, I like him a lot. This is a guy I want to meet if I ever have the opportunity to. Seems like a genuine, really, really good dude. And on top of all of that, being at the age of 35, if you want somebody who can relate, this has been the the thing for people who oppose the hire of SVG, other than the fact that the Detroit run didn't go very well, which you can blame it on the fact that he was wearing too many hats. There's just, there's a lot of reasons that SVG is perfect for this job. And there's a lot of people, 
not a lot of people, a decent amount of people who oppose the hire and they have these two things. And it's that he can't relate and that it was bad in Detroit. And when you really look at it, you do a deep dive and you listen to that podcast with Jonathan Alisea last week, or, or I believe it was Monday, you realize, wow, I could be wrong. And rather than just putting forth a quote for, for Twitter and a quote for the rest of the media, like Kendrick Perkin does and like Skip Bayless does, and you say, hmm, he actually had good relationships with a lot of players. And, hmm, he did do a lot of winning elsewhere when he was just a coach. And, hmm, that's what he's doing in New Orleans. Anyway, if you do still have some misgivings about that ability to relate to the players, Charles Lee is a guy who can do that. Not only has he played professionally overseas, not only did he play college ball, but he's 35. He's 35. For coaching in the NBA, that is stupid young. You don't see guys who are that age. I think he's the same age as J.J. Redick. I mean, much like Will Weaver, this would be your guy. If you want a young guy, if you want a guy who's going to come in and relate to these players, Weaver would be a little bit different because he didn't play professionally, as far as I know. But... I'm convincing myself with very little information that that I like Lee a lot. And if you can bring in both of these guys, hell yeah, hell to the yeah. And even, I, I don't think, you're either more than likely going to get Yudoka, Weaver, or this next candidate as associate. I could see Lee being brought in just as an assistant given his age, given the fact that he didn't play professionally, given the fact that and he did play professionally, just not in the NBA, given the fact that he's never been really a head coach before other than in the summer league. So I could see him definitely being an assistant here in New Orleans, not just being an associate head coach. So the third guy that we are talking about today on the podcast is Wes Unseld Jr. The son of Wes Unseld Sr., basketball Hall of Famer, the dude's been an assistant for a long time. Since since 2005, he was an assistant with the Washington Wizards, 2005 to 2011. So not only was he an assistant there, he got to coach Gilbert Arenas in his prime, Anton Jameson also in his prime, and then Karan Butler, who was a sharp shooter back in the day. The Warriors, so we got to coach Steph Curry, Monte, Monte Ellis, Clay Thompson. They were 23 and 43 that year. It was Clay's rookie year. But I mean, this guy is well known for development. And who's to say he didn't participate largely in Steph Curry and Clay Thompson's development while as a coach in Golden State. Unseld went on to coach with the Orlando Magic from 2012 to 2015. So this was right after SVG left. Orlando. So these were all bad teams. I mean, these were the Jock Vaughn years. So what do you expect? I mean, he, he did coach Nicole, or Victor Oladipo, Nikola Vucevic, Tobias Harris, and Mo Harkless while there. So Harkless, a guy that we've talked about a lot, bringing him in. Oladipo could be available. Obviously, the Pels should not give up Drew Holiday in that sort of situation, but he's got connections. Got connections to some of these players. And then move forward to 2015 to now he coached the Denver Nuggets, was on that staff. And as far as I know, he will be back there should he not get another position elsewhere in the NBA this upcoming 
season. And of course, we know that he coached Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Jeremy Grant there. So he's got the connections to Grant. We obviously love Jeremy Grant in New Orleans. And if the Pels could get him, hell to the freaking yeah, very unlikely, but it'd be rad. Anyway, obviously we know that Wes Unseld was a coach for the Nuggets this last year, went to the conference finals with these teams. He was tasked with improving the defense there in Denver and led the Nuggets defense over the last few years. You know, considering the run that the Nuggets made and adjustments against the Jazz and the Clippers that were made in this postseason, that's likely what got him these jobs. Other than the fact that he's been in the league for a while, other than the fact that he is Wes Unseld Sr.'s son, these were huge. Those defensive moves were enormous. These defensive adjustments were massive this postseason against the Jazz and against the Clippers, given the fact that they came back from not only being down 3-1, but they won both of those series and then took the Nuggets, I believe, to six games. Or sorry, took the Lakers to six games, I want to say, in the Western Conference Finals this year in the NBA playoffs. That's just insane and and you got to give credit to Unseld and you got to know that under Mike Malone he has definitely contributed to that type of mentality tenacity that the Denver Nuggets bring to the table when playing basketball in the league and that's what you got to have if you really want to compete in the NBA and and compete to the level that they did with the youth that they did in Denver this year Mike Malone, in reference to that Game 7 victory over the Clippers, Mike Malone said this to the press after that win. He said, Wes Unsell Jr. should be a head coach. Said it definitively. He said he should be a head coach. Much like Sam Cassell, I mean, everybody raves about him. Everybody really, really raves about this guy and loves what he's done with his team in the league and what he's done with these teams, every single team, really. I mean, he's, he's participated in development. You look at the Warriors, you look at the Magic, you look at, and I mean, Victor Oladipo wasn't that great when he came into the league initially. Nikola Vucevic wasn't fantastic. Tobias Harris, eh. And now he's worth a hundred gazillion dollars and isn't really worth it. But, you know, factor in where the Sixers are at and stuff. But yeah. Also, I mean, if you want some clear statistical evidence that he has brought this defense up to an incredible level, just look at the fact that he took them from a 29th net rating, which is second to last in the NBA, to sixth this year over his his, his time span with the Denver Nuggets. 29th to sixth. That is just bonafide insane that is nuts that doesn't happen in the nba it just doesn't and if you can credit really one guy who led the defense with that yeah yeah mike malone is correct he should be a head coach holy crap and i mean in terms of development like i said we just referenced it those magic teams those warriors teams uh, the the Nuggets, but to really emphasize it on the Nuggets, I mean, he's been there throughout the ascension in the building with who they acquired through the draft. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, 
Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Malik Beasley. Beasley obviously got traded to the Timberwolves this season, but Beasley was a scorer this year. We know what Jokic did. Obviously, Chris Finch was a big part of that. Jamal Murray became a star in the bubble this year. Gary Harris isn't quite what we want him to be. Monte Morris was a fringe guy to start with, and now we know Michael Porter Jr. is healthy, and he's balling out, and he could be a stud, a stud in this year this year's league he improves on his explosion and gets better defensively mpj might very well be one of the top five players in the nba at some point in his career and wes unsell jr may very well have had a part of that and again he's 44 he's 44 started coaching the league when he was 29 so not only can he relate to these players much like Charles Lee, granted he's nine years older than Charles Lee, but I mean, he's been in the culture since he was a kid. With his dad, he's been in the culture. He knows what it's like. It's a young guy. It's a young guy. It's it's a guy who would mesh well again, I think. And, and, and you know, like I said, he is defensive-minded like Ime Udoka. I like the Will Weaver combination because of that offensive versus defensive combination and I'll say that I'm get, again I'm sure that over and over until the next associate head coach is hired but there is that there is that you just, you just gotta take that into consideration I like all if you include Weaver so it's Weaver Yudoka Wes Unsell Jr. and Charles Lee all four of those guys in terms of complementary attributes to SVG in terms of their youth in terms of how they quote relate to the players i like that a lot you look at jamal mosley kind of the same thing and he's he's a potential guy that could be brought in as an assistant i mean this that's speculation too there's there's no real word on that other than just you know like i said speculating and then i mean again you put defense on top of defense and you're learning different schemes you're learning different values defensively and you're different learning different ways to attack other opposing offenses so there you go i like that i i and you know these are all good options i have my pick i have my favorite and that's going to be will weaver it was kenny atkinson for a little while but obviously he's going to be brought on by the by the clippers too which sucks but he is no longer available and so my choice is Will Weaver. We'll talk a little bit more about this, hopefully tomorrow with a guest on the show. I'm not going to reveal who that is quite yet because it's going to be a surprise. But there you go. This is today's episode. Oh, another another name I want to mention before we go. Darvin Ham is still very well on the table. This dude is interviewing or has interviewed for head coaching positions. I don't know if he's still in the running for <coughs> the Thunder but he very well could be in the running for an associate job like this one in New Orleans too. Former player, I've talked about him before. I wrote that article on him. I didn't want to elaborate anymore on Weaver, Mosley, Darvin Ham, or like Kenny Atkinson. Obviously, Atkinson's been taken off the table, but Mosley, Weaver, or Darvin Ham because we've already done pods on them. So if you want to check out those pods, one of our more more recent ones was ranking the three remaining coaches, which included Jamal Mosley, Will Weaver, and SVG. This was prior to the hiring of Stan Van Gundy on October 21st. So that's number 80. 
Number 79 is our episode with Liam Santamaria, co-host of NBL Overtime. 78 includes portion on Jamal Mosley. 77 is on Will Weaver, just by myself as potential head coaching candidate. And then we talked with Ollie Cosell in episode 74 on other potential coaching candidates for the Pelicans. And that'll include some of the other guys. Obviously there's stuff on Ty Lue. This was all prior to the hire of Stan Van Gundy. So you have to swipe through that a little bit. And then I'll include my article on Darvin Ham in the description as well. So folks, that'll wrap up today's episode. Just a little look over some potential associate head coaches and assistants that the Pels could bring in this offseason, hopefully in the next week or <laughs> hopefully in the next week. That's that's pretty much it with the way the NBA is really, really making things go fast right now and trying to get to the upcoming season. It's It's got to get done. This, this hire has to get done for hires, have to get done for the Pelicans and their assistant coaches. So hopefully we'll have another podcast coming tomorrow on the assistance with a guest and we'll get some different opinions here on the topic. In the meantime, while you wait, go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter and we'll have another conversation based on a podcast listener's question to me that will probably come next week. And it's interesting. It's kind of comparing Dwight Howard in the Orlando days to what Jackson Hayes could be. And if you have any questions and want us to talk about anything, feel free to hit a DM. Also hit my DMs. It's once again at Elliot Clough on Twitter. And I'll start asking for, for questions from people. Once I hit 1,000 followers, bet, there we go. So I'm at 985 on Twitter right now. And if you want the ability to ask more questions and me to really just look out for questions, I'll start tweeting and asking for said questions when we hit a thousand followers on Twitter right now at 985. So if you want that, you can create a Twitter account if you don't have one and head over to at LA Clough on Twitter. That's E L I O T C L O U G H and follow right there. Also, leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. If Do it! If you're listening there and if you're listening elsewhere, make sure to subscribe and or follow depending on where you're listening to that podcast. Check out Believe.com for all of our other podcasting affiliates with Believe. And then The Bird Rights, one of my favorite places to write for. And, and they do some really good stuff over there with former guests like Ali Cosell, Preston Ellis, Kevin Berrios, Chris Connor, David Grubb, and more. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in today. I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs>